0: Isn't Mike great? I love Mike. He's awesome. Well, before we dive into God's Word, got a couple quick announcements for you. The first one is thank you to all of you. The the hundreds of you that came out to really encourage me at the latest book launch, right? So the Master's Mind got released and you all came out and, and encouraged me and were a part of that. Um, what I want to encourage the rest of you is that if you don't have a book, I need you to get one of those because it's my way to disciple you when I'm not with you all the information that's contained in there is things either that I've taught already and I need you to be reminded about, or it is things that you have not yet got to hear. So, uh, once again, that, that money does not go to me, it goes to whoever you're buying it from. So, uh, I'll just tell you this Barnes and Noble's faster. Amazon's cheaper. There you go. Yeah. What, whichever way you want to roll. Okay. If you need it faster, you just go right down the street. You need it cheaper. Uh, somehow have it shipped to your house. Um, but thank you very much for coming out and encourage me, uh, encouraging me during that, that time. That was a really, really special night for me because we finally got a chance of a labor of love getting that back out to you. So that was awesome. Uh, second thing is that you heard we have the Supernatural series tonight. Right? So, I need you there. This is something that I'm just discipling our entire congregation on. There's ways to do this stuff healthy and there's ways to do it unhealthy. We really want to do it the healthy way. So, uh, we are supernatural people. We serve a supernatural God. So it would just make a lot more sense if we understood a little bit more how to navigate those types of waters. That is at 6.30 to 8.30 this evening. Uh, we are going to be kicking it off with talking a little bit about what supernatural is and talking about the issue of prayer. Prayer is the most common thing that we engage with that is very, very supernatural. The idea that you pray at all is super weird, okay, that you would be talking to an invisible God. That is supernatural, yet it seems very natural if you grew up with it. We're going to talk a little bit more about how prayer works. And then finally, the last thing is we are in the 40-day fast process, yeah? So I hope you are joining me uh, in that, that this is the period of time, 40 days leading up to the worship prayer and healing night, which is on November 19th. This year, we are having it hosted at Trinity Life Center, which is down off Hillsdale or Madison and 80, if you're familiar with that area. They are hosting us. We're still running the event, but they're giving us the facility. Uh, But as we lead up to that, what we have found is historically, the 40-day prep has almost been more powerful than the actual event. Why? Because we are sitting in the Lord for 40 days. The point is intensified prayer. The point is to focus on him. Now, we got to contain ourselves, so we set aside food on Wednesdays as a family. We set aside distractions for that 40-day period, and we try to add in healthy things into our lives. So I'm not sure what you are doing between you and the Lord, but please do not allow this 40 days to go by as just the same as always. We need it different. We need the prayer intensified. And one of the things to be praying for is that event. When we open up the worship prayer and healing night, we are gonna have so many different churches coming together. And that means the entire greater Sacramento region is going to be invited that if they are hurting, they can come get some prayer. I would hate for us as Bridgeway to walk into that environment cold. We need to walk into that environment, prayed up, ready to go. So we're not focusing on ourselves. We're focusing on everyone that comes to be cared for and loved on. Whether you are there for prayer or whether you are there uh, to be prayed for, I really want you there. So please mark it down on your calendar, November 19th. That is, once again, another event that we do as a family And I would sure encourage you to be with us. All right, that is it for announcements. Take out your Bibles and the handout sheet that was given to you at the front door, and we can begin. We are in part nine of our Called by God series through the book of 1 Timothy line by line. And I entitled this morning's message an extraordinary call with an extraordinary message. That is indeed what we are as the church. And I wanna talk a little bit about what the church is. Last year we did the year of identity and out of that identity we then turned into this year being the year of purpose Knowing that what we do comes from who we are Every time scripture tells you I need you to be living differently It gives you a premise that you are living out who you really are in righteousness Our sinful behavior is not who we are Our sinful behavior is a distortion if we are a child of God. Who we really are is God's beloved who have been purified and cleansed, who have been forgiven with grace. That is actually who we are. We are saints in the eyes of the Lord, and we need to live in accordance with that. But collectively, we also have an identity. We think of Christianity a lot as an individual process. You need an individual personal relationship with the Lord, but you are not alone. You are with us. We collectively are a group. Let me just tell you this. Here's what church is. It is not simply an institution. It is not an organization. It's a living temple to God, the body of Christ and God's plan for disseminating hope into this world. The fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is simply this. The church is far more than another organization. The church is far more than another organization. I can tell you that there are many that do not have any contact with the church that are in the Santa Rosa, Sonoma County area. That are being devastated by wildfires and they may well see us all as the same They may see that red cross and they may see that these relief agencies and charity organizations are coming in to help And they may see the church as just another one of those That would be a mistake Do we help people? Yes Do we give assistance? Yes Do we give money? Yes But we are not an organization. We're an organism the thing is is the church is not a bunch of people trying to do nice stuff. It is a people that have been taken from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It is spiritually alive people. It is a family of God That is a completely different sort of person. The Bible says that not only are we awakened at that moment of conversion, but we become partakers of the divine nature. It means that we are unionized with Jesus Christ and we now are living a new life. It means that which was built eternally within us is activated. At that moment of saying, yes, Jesus. And now we are living in a very supernatural and natural world together. Therefore, we are not simply an organization that helps. We are a presence of Jesus Christ in the midst. Y'all following? Church is a big deal, man. So I want to kind of clarify a couple things. There's the big C church and the little C church, right? The big C church is something that we got to get our minds wrapped around because if we do not, we tend to isolate out, compartmentalize and divide. The big C church is this, all believers through all time in all nations. You got it? True believers through all time in all nations. All right. So for example, we still currently have, and I'm going to be uh, going to lunch with him today, but we still have Pastor Stephen Trent from Uganda, right? And you all know, I went on a trip to Uganda, went over there and saw him at the Kampala Church, right? And when I was in his church, guess what? It felt awfully familiar. Why is it familiar? Because the same Holy Spirit that is here is there. When I look at him, he is my brother. That when I look into his eyes, the same Jesus stares back at me that I'm trying to stare at him with. Therefore, I know that when they worship, they're worshiping the same God. Therefore, I know that no matter where I go on this planet, God is already there. He already was waiting for me and setting things up. So Pastor Steve and I, yeah, can we just all appreciate Pastor Steve being here, by the way? You truly are a blessing to me and to our whole entire church. I just need you to know that. So anyway, love you, buddy. Um, So throughout this whole world, we know that we are one family. But one thing that we tend to forget is it's also all believers time-wide. There were family members before us, and there are family members, if the Lord tarries, that are going to come after us. They are all part of our family. The reason why that's so important to think of is I need you to understand the magnitude of the bride of Christ. I need you to understand the magnitude of the body of Christ and what God has accomplished for thousands of years on this planet. Uh, recently, uh, we just had a memorial service on Friday for a friend of mine, uh, pastor Ted Rose. He was a regional leader. He was uh, the head of the United States prayer council. And so he's done a lot of work with the governments and stuff. And anyway, he's a super wonderful man. He went to be with the Lord a couple weeks ago and we just had the memorial. One of the gentlemen that came up to speak on his behalf said something that was wonderful. He said, I believe so surely that Pastor Ted Rose has joined the great cloud of witnesses of heaven that are now looking and being amazed by what God is doing. Once again, that was an idea that we are a family time-wide. That when we talk about Paul the Apostle, we're talking about a sibling y'all tracking with me? We are talking about real people that really live, that are really part of the family of God. We're not talking about a different quality of being. We're not talking about a Narnia thing. We're not talking about a fairy tale thing. We're talking about real people that lived and they're our family. Peter is part of our family. Abraham's part of our family. This is one long line of God waking people up and creating new beings. I think it's extraordinary. So I just want us to sit for a moment in saying, wow, it's bigger than us, right? When we all sit here, we are in the Little C Church, right? We're part of the Big C Church for sure. But when we talk about Bridgeway, we're talking about Little C Church. Little C Church means the localized, unique expression, of the Big C church, right? Now we need diversity of churches. We need different churches. Why? Because God is discipling people as a mass and he knows just like we treat each child that we have differently he knows what they need when they need it and how they need it and sometimes he needs to move them into this type of church so they can be ministered to in one way then he needs to have them in a different church or as other people he needs someone who can understand them someone that's walked in their shoes We need the diversity of Bayside and Destiny and all these other churches out there. We need that because God is uniquely revealing himself through each and every individual church to lead his people. It is so important that we understand that we are simply one expression of the heart of God, but he is so infinitely creative. He's got a lot of ways to show himself to the world. Our core identity as a church is we are the body of Christ. What are we supposed to do? Be Jesus. There you go. What is our purpose? Being Jesus. Y'all remember that series, right? You can't escape it. It was two and a half years long, (laughs) right? 100 part series. Being Jesus. What is our job as the big C church? Be Jesus in the world. What does it mean? What would Jesus be doing right here, right now in 2017? And you know what? Most of what you're going to be Jesus doing is not within these walls, right? Being Jesus is an everyday occurrence. Being Jesus is at work. Being Jesus at home, being Jesus out on the streets, that's where you are Jesus. That's where he was operating most often. Therefore, our identity is we are the family of God, but our purpose is to go be Jesus out into the world, right? Right? All right. The other thing is that we are a living temple of God. We are here to worship and lift up his name. The Bible says that if my if I am lift up, I will draw all men to myself. So what do we do? We lift them up and we show the whole world how great Jesus is and let them engage with him personally. Amen. All right. Let's dive into God's word. First Timothy, first Timothy, chapter three, verse 14. We're only going to be covering three verses today, 14, 15, and 16, but please do not let that give you hope that you'll get out. All right, there is no hope there. With Pastor Lance, three verses is as a thousand years. Do you understand? I mean, I don't, I'm trying to loosely translate if y'all are following me biblically. Okay, cool. First Timothy chapter three, verse 14. Here's what Paul says to Timothy who is living in Ephesus and leading that ministry there Paul said I hope to come to you personally Timothy soon But i'm writing these things to you so that if I delay You may know how one ought to behave in the household of God Which is the church of the living God a pillar and buttress of the truth Here's what he just said. Hey, Timothy Man, I can't wait to see you. I miss you so much. I know I put you in a brutal ministry environment. Man, when I started Ephesus, it was super hard. And then I knew I had to go. And there's a couple churches like Corinth and Ephesus that I know need extra care. And so I took my biggest, best, and brightest, and I put you there. But I know it has been so hard on your spirit. I would love to come and encourage you. But, buddy, you and I both know how transportation goes these days right? Man, you're talking to Paul, the apostle. I don't know if I'm going to be stoned today. I don't know if I'm going to be in jail. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to be shipwrecked. I don't know anything. So as far as me promising you that I'm going to show up, sorry, buddy, I have no idea, but I do know that I think I can get a letter to you. So whether I'm there or not, and by the way, history does not clearly tell us whether he ever made it, um, because we're not quite sure where it is in the timeline of Paul's life. So, we're not sure whether or not he made it, but we do know his letter made it. He said, Whether I come to you or not, I have some instructions for you, and primarily this letter that I'm giving you, which we are now into chapter 3. This letter is primarily to teach you how everyone ought to behave in the church. How are we going to behave as a church? This is really what he's trying to write about. So he said this. I want to give you three metaphors about what the church is, and I just want you to unpack those for a second, Timothy. And he uses three separate metaphors. Here we go. The first one, he said, if you're going to talk about what we are as a collective group, we are, number one, the household of God. We are the household of God. We are not just designed by him, but by the cross, we were bought back by Jesus Christ. He owns us. We are his household. And if we are a part of his household, that means at least we have a new identity. We have authority and we have a responsibility, right? Household rules and behavior is expected. Everybody y'all know you got a household culture, right? Everybody has different things that they think are important and they focus on. And one family may have the rule that says, uh, we don't raise our voices to one another. We're going to keep things cool and we're going to be calm and we're going to talk to each other with respect. Let's say that is a cultural element. That's an expectation on everyone in the household. Let's say that you have something like, uh, that you all, uh, maybe eat dinner together. That would be something that is expected that wherever you're at, you're going to come home from dinner and then you can kind of go out your own way. Whatever it is, there's expectations. If someone violates that expectation, there are consequences. It's called peer pressure, right? The idea of, whoa, 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 that's not what we do. That is not okay. Not in this house. We're not doing that, right? Let's say, for example, that you have the take off the shoes rule right? Take off the shoes rule and somebody comes tracking in through mud. What happens? Everyone goes ballistic, right? Wow. What are you doing? You got your shoes on. That's the whole reason why we have that rule. You actually had to walk over people's shoes just to get in this house. You know what, right? And there's all this expectation in the same way we have rules at church. We have rules as a church. Who are they designed by? Jesus Christ himself. And what he says is, hey, as we're going out into the world, please remember that you don't just get to do whatever you want to do. There's a certain way we act. What's our family business? It's love. What do we do? We love on people. How do we do it? I don't know. It's going to be unique in expression through you. But we do know that our heart is grace-filled and loving towards other people. That's what we do. What else do we do? We expand the kingdom of God. There's a lot of stuff. You don't just get to be about building your own kingdom. You actually, in the family business, build the kingdom of God. There's a lot of expectations in being in the household of God. I I don't want us to be thinking of them in terms of church culture. Church culture is different, right? Can we all agree on that? Church culture and Christianity are two different things. There are certain things that we have as church culture, they are weird and messed up and probably wrong, right? There was a certain time when it was like, well, the only way that you can come into church is to look like this and dress like this and act like this. And at some point, people said, I don't think that's right. Okay. So please don't get lost and caught up with church culture as much as what did Jesus say? You as my child need to operate like this. Yeah? Yeah. Don't let the church steer you wrong. The local church. Let's be more the church of Jesus Christ, right? All right. Number two, he switches up metaphors here a little bit, and he uses a famous word called ecclesia, and it means gathering. Not only are we the household of God, but we are the gathering of the living God. We are the gathering of the living God. A God who is actively moving, teaching, empowering, loving, directing. All right, here's what it means. We're clear the church is people, yeah? So like when we all come in here, we have church. When we vacate this building, it's not church. It's a building, right? Because church is people. So if we all then got up out of our seats and all went to Starbucks, I'm not sure how we would fit but we would have church in Starbucks. Starbucks suddenly is transformed into a church, right? That's awesome because it's really the spirit of God where the spirit of God dwells in his people collectively, that's church. All right, great. But when we come together, you are coming into an environment of a living God. You are not coming to a theater of a performance an observation. You are coming to a active environment where the Holy Spirit is moving and roaming. You're coming into a highly supernaturally charged environment where angels are among us. The Bible explains very clearly that when we are worshiping, when we are hanging out together in a collective gathering, they are watching and taking part in our services. That means that in the atmosphere right here, right now, there is angelic, there is demonic, there is stuff going on in the spiritual world. Right here, right now, the Holy Spirit is moving on the hearts of each and every one of you. What would it look like? It would look like suddenly your thoughts go this direction all of a sudden I say something to the degree of, you do know you're forgiven, right? And all of a sudden there's a little inkling where a weight is lifted right off your shoulders. Was that because of a word? It was not. It was because the Holy Spirit is actively ministering to you and he just lifted that weight right off your shoulders. So what I want you to understand is you don't come in here and you kind of go, oh yeah, I'm just listening like I'm listening to a podcast. No, you're so sitting in a saturated environment of the movement of God. The other things that happen is that when you are in the presence of other believers, crazy stuff happens. Your spirit calls to their spirit. Now, here's what I mean by that. It's pretty practical and pretty normal. What it means is you go into church and all of a sudden God starts hooking up divine appointments right? So you're in church and you're going by and hey, you're greeting people, saying hi and whatever. You accidentally get into a conversation. You come to find out, shockingly, you guys have something in common. Well, why did that accidentally happen? Well, I have family in Santa Rosa. Well, you have family in Santa Rosa? That's so crazy, right? And all of a sudden you have this bond and then you're starting to think about them and church feels a little bit smaller. That's not an accident. Now, if we come in and we isolate out and we leave, we're not able to take part in all that crazy connection the other thing is that the holy spirit that dwells in you wants to minister to another person so all of a sudden one person on this side says you know what i saw this person over here has a need and you go over and pray for him all of a sudden the lord his whole point originally was can't wait for him to get together watch this The minute I'm going to have them pray together, I'm going to release my power over them. That's just how it works. Why? Because he wants to encourage that unity. So all of a sudden you are bringing breakthrough to you and it's all in the same environment. We live in an active, moving God environment as the church. Amen? Amen. 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 Number three, he switches it up again. He said, not only are you the household of God and the gathering of the living God, but you are a pillar and buttress of the truth. If you use the word buttress consistently, (laughs) something's wrong with you. Nobody uses that word, right? I don't know. It's kind of awkward. A pillar and buttress of the truth. You go, oh, okay. So that's like architectural stuff. He's talking about buildings and things. Oh, so he means the church is the foundation. (laughs) Wrong. Church isn't a foundation. What are you talking about? The foundation because he said the pillar and buttress of truth is the church the foundation of the truth No, who's the foundation of truth? Jesus christ and him alone. We are not the foundation We're building on the foundation of who jesus christ is. Yeah, we don't get to make up truth We don't get to start up a whole new thing. We do what he says. Why he's the head. We're the body It always goes back to jesus Right? So what a buttress is, is not the foundation, it's that which is the supports that are put on a foundation that keep the walls up. It's the thing that then helps support the ceiling. In other words, that when the Holy Spirit lays the foundation of revelation, if he tells us something that is ultimate truth, our job is to lock it in and hold on in the storms of life. That we are the purveyors and protectors Of what is true. Now, this is super important because if the church doesn't hang on to the truth, if the family of God doesn't hang on to the truth, who's going to hang on to the truth? We're living in a world that is progressively telling us there is no such thing as truth. That's not necessarily new. You've got to remember Pontius Pilate said the exact same thing. There were, all throughout history, there's always been peppering and attacking on truth. But when the Holy Spirit reveals something to be true, our job is to protect it and make sure it is true. Now, let's be careful on what we're protecting. Once again, it can't be church culture. It's got to be the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, for example, there are things that are critical core elements of the Christian faith. And then there's a bunch of other stuff. The other stuff, you can argue with me and you may well win. There are a bunch of stuff that the world may argue with us and win. They may say, you know what I don't like? I don't like the way you guys treat so-and-so, this people group. I don't like the way you treat them. They may be right, and we need to be listening and learning. So in other words, they're adjusting our non-critical truth. Even within the church, let's say you argue with me about when Jesus is coming back. You might win. Ultimately, I don't care enough, right? Jesus is coming back. Cool. That's it. That's all I need to know. What is it? Pre, mid, post. What is it? When is he coming? Is it going to be the, what about the rapture? What about, I don't know. And you can argue me out of it. But when it comes down to, is my Jesus the savior and the only savior, I'm not moving. Do you understand what I mean? there's a bunch of stuff you can argue about how old the earth is with me. We can argue that all day long. You'll probably win. Here's what I'm not moving on. My Jesus is a son of God. So there are core truths. And when the world says, no, he's not, I'm going to push back really hard and go, yeah, he is. Because I'm building on that foundation. That is an immovable foundation doesn't talk about how to dress and how to act and all that it talks about reality of who god is that i'm standing on and i will put a wall up around that that's what we do but it also says that we are a pillar now we think primarily of pillar just being a support structure and maybe that's what it means it lifts up which is where we're going to go with it, but every commentator that I read in my studies for this and research mentioned the same story. The fact that Timothy was in Ephesus and Paul called the church a pillar is not an accident. Why? They had one of the seven wonders of the world, right? The temple of Diana or the temple of Artemis. It had 127 pillars that were world famous. Each one was a gift from a king. Most of them were all overlaid with gold and gems were embedded all the way around them. They were not simply supports. They were things of beauty. Everybody knew the pillars. So he brings it up. Here's why I think it's so important. I think that we have a job as the church to lift up the name of God and to do it in a beautiful and winsome way. Y'all following me? I think that our job is to lift up Jesus in such a clear way that people are drawn to him. You go, well, how in the world am I supposed to lift them up? Well, okay, here you go. You're probably going to do pretty good with your words. You'll do a lot better with your life. In other words, the world gets very, very tired of the church talking. Church talks a lot. We don't live a lot. And so what they're tired of is hearing more coming out of our mouths and less coming out of our lifestyles. So the best way you can lift them up is to live it out. Now, when you need to give a message, when you need to share something, you need to become an expert at two things that you need to share. Number one is your story. Please tell them your story. You don't have to necessarily tell them my story and maybe get it wrong. You tell what you know. You know your story. I once was lost. Now I'm found. Amen. Okay, cool. You may not have all the details, but you lived it. So you might know a little bit more than I do. Number one, tell your story. Number two, tell his story. Your story is not sufficient to save. His story is. Your story is sufficient to get interest. His story is sufficient to save. So you need to tell the Jesus story. What's the Jesus story? Well, that's what we're going to go into now. All right, here we go. Let's move forward. Verse 16 starts out with a, first reading that seems very awkward great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness okay if you're reading that at home with a devotional you're like what what does that mean okay we're gonna make it super easy great we confess meaning whatever i'm about to say is really great great indeed we confess is the mystery of what causes godliness hmm Great is the mystery. All right, so most people didn't know this before. Now everybody has it because it's now been revealed. Great is something that just showed up by which man can be godly. Who is the only one that makes people godly? Jesus Christ. Is he great? Boom, there's your answer. How do we know it's a who and not a what? Look at the next word. He was manifested in the flesh it's a person. Here's all it said. Great is Jesus who now has been revealed to be the one that can rescue man and put them next to God. Great is Jesus who can save men from their sins and allow them to be partakers of the divine nature. If I'm going to tell you about behavior and how you need to act, that can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the identity that Jesus gave you. So is that great? Yeah. Did everyone always know that? No. Is it a relatively recent mystery revealed? Yes. That's why I said it that way. Great is Jesus who has been revealed as the one that makes men capable of living for God. What is Jesus like? He then launches into a creed. Y'all know what a creed is? So a creed is simple, short statements of truth. We've heard of the Apostles' Creed. We've heard of the Nicene Creed. These are famous creeds in church history. Right now, uh, I just got a chance to hear Pastor Brian and Pastor Matt They're both teaching the Apostles' Creed class. Brilliant. What incredible teachers. What incredible truth. And it goes through things line by line of what we believe about God. This is one of those. This is a super short little hymn slash creed that the early church used. What makes the difference between a hymn and a creed? Creed you talk, hymn you sing. There you go. Bottom line is, y'all remember that the whole printing press thing is relatively new? Okay, so there's thousands and thousands of years they did not have that. So what did you do? You couldn't write it down. You couldn't add it into your smartphone. None of that stuff. So what did you do? If you didn't memorize it, it's gone. So they would put everything into ways for people to memorize. If I gave you a whole sheet of information, I said, hey, can you memorize this real quick? You'd be like, uh, no, but all of a sudden I start quoting a Beatles song and you know every lyric. <laughs> How exactly did that happen? Put it to music. Suddenly, bing, you got it. Here's the super funny one. Your telephone number, right? Are you kidding me? Your telephone number. You're just going to remember a whole series of digits. No, you put little spacers in between them. And then suddenly I can remember it. Your social security number. Put little dashes. Oh, I got it. What? What? Why is that? Why can't we couldn't memorize? It was just straight line of numbers. In other words, there's ways that our mind works and they knew that. And so they would put things into short little statements. And so you could memorize it. And anybody ever said, you're a Christian. What do you believe? They'd go, I know at least six things. And they would lay them out for you. What are those six things? Here you go. This is the message that we go out into the world with. We talk about our Jesus. What is he like? Here we go. It says this, he was manifested in the flesh. In other words, the invisible God was revealed in visible form. That indeed, God became man. That is the incarnation, fancy word for God, entering into humanity, taking on flesh, being fully divine, but fully human. How does it all work? I have no idea. Way too complicated for me, way over my head. But I know it is a fact. Paul explains it further in Philippians 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be hung on to, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So in other words, he was manifested in the flesh. So wherever you're going to go with it, you tell people, God is, came down and lived among us. Real guy, Jesus is a legitimate person. All right, good. We lock that truth in. What's the next one? He was not only manifested in the flesh, but he was vindicated by the Holy Spirit. What does the word vindicated mean? It means proved right. If somebody gives you a bad reputation and you can turn it around and prove you ain't like that, boom, vindicated. The Holy Spirit vindicated and proved that Jesus was who he claimed to be. Who did he claim to be? Son of God. Who was he? Son of God. The Holy Spirit says, bam, yeah, he is. How did he do that? Have you ever done a study in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit's ministry through Jesus's earthly time? It's crazy. If you haven't, here you go. From conception, the Bible says that that the son of God was conceived of Mary by the Holy spirit. So he's the one that said, Hey, son of God, let's do this. And it was by his power. He enters into humanity. Then he gets a time of 30 years in almost obscurity, living a sinless life. Who gave him the power to live a sinless life? Holy Spirit. All of a sudden he goes public with a ministry and at his baptism where everything gets kicked off, who shows up descending like a dove? The Holy Spirit descends on him. Immediately the Bible says he sends, the Holy Spirit drives him into the desert that he would be tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. And you go, wow, that's intense. He was already directing his ministry. Yeah, when he leaves, the Bible says he leaves full of the power of the Holy Spirit to do his ministry. Every miracle he did, every demon he cast, the Bible says he did so by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was moving through his entire ministry, but the big one came when? When they killed him and he went in that grave and he came back up again. Who raised him from the dead? The Holy Spirit, vindicated by the Holy Spirit, going, see, I told you. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. Man, he was manifested in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels. What does that mean? Seen by angels, you're like, of course angels saw him. Man, before the manger, he was the commander of the army of God. Of course they all see him. That's their boss. Is that what it means? Maybe. Did angels minister to Jesus when he was on earth? Yeah, actually quite a bit. One of the special times was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? When Jesus was hurting so bad, the angels came and ministered to him. Did they see him when he rose again? Of course they did. Is this what it's referring to? Maybe, but I'm going to suggest not. Why? What does angel mean? Angelos in Greek means what? Messenger of God. Guess who also is messengers? You. Messengers of God. Angel is a function. We keep trying to throw it out as a noun like, oh, it's an angel in heaven. Well, okay. Well, it depends on what you mean. If it's a heavenly being that's a messenger of God, it's an angel. Otherwise it has a different name. Seraphim are not angels. They're seraphim. Cherubim are not angels. They're cherubim. In other words, heavenly beings are heavenly beings. If they function as a messenger, they become an angel. Human beings are also angels and messengers of God. Who were the primary messengers of God originally? The apostles. They were the ones that carried the message of God out into the world. Are they the angels? Well, think about it this way. Was it important they saw the risen Lord? Yes, they said, we, who we have seen with our own eyes, who we have touched with our own hands, we proclaim to you. So seen by the messengers, how do we know it's probably the apostles? Look at the next line of the creed. Proclaimed among the nations. Who proclaimed Jesus among the nations? The apostles. It was not the angels per se. So he then those messengers proclaimed among the nations, the good news of Jesus Christ. So what Jesus came and did, he then was proved to be right. And everyone started telling his story. The next line of the creed, it didn't just be heard. It was received and he was believed on in the world. That means Gentiles. Why is this so important? Because it proved The Holy Spirit proved Jesus was not simply a Jewish Messiah, but the king of the entire planet. That's important because y'all were Gentiles. Yeah, most of us here are Gentiles. Some of y'all might be Jews. All right, cool. You got a double blessing. Uh, The rest of us, we just got the single blessing, right? We are all just Gentiles. You would not be here if it was not for the truth of this creed. It got out and what God said to Abraham was proved right. What did God say to Abraham? Through your lineage, all nations on earth will be blessed. What did he say? Man, through the Jewish people, I'm going to bring about a savior and the savior is going to be a savior of the world and he will be the king of all creation. Jesus was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the spirit, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, but he wasn't done. What was the last one? And he was taken up in glory. Y'all know what ascension means? Ascension is that time when Jesus was hanging with his followers at the end of his ministry. And he said, guys, I need you to know this. I'm about to head out of here. I'm going to hit you with power when I send the Holy Spirit to you. You get ready to go worldwide, but here's what I need you to understand. I am with you all the time. I'm not going to be physically, physically, excuse me, visibly here, but I'm going to be constantly watching you, interceding for you, being with you. But trust me, I'm sending one just like me. He's the one that will walk alongside you. He is the Holy Spirit also known in Greek as the paraclete. He will be your supporter and guide you into all truth. You're not gonna be worried, you got it. We're gonna come upon you with power, but here's what I need you to do, gentlemen. Ladies, I need you to go out into the world and I need you to be me. I got an awful lot of stuff I need to do. And so I'm going to be constantly guiding and directing, but you have to be the active agents. I need you going out and loving on people, sharing the gospel. I need you to be giving hope. I need you to be solving problems. I need you to be doing miracles. I need you to get out and do my job. And with that, he began to rise. You remember that? He began to rise right in front of them, right off the mountain, if you go into Jerusalem, you can see right across the valley from uh, the city of Jerusalem is the Mount of Olives. Right there, he is standing on the Mount of Olives talking to his disciples, and he just begins to rise. Crazy! Until he, they couldn't see him anymore. Jesus was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, right? Preached among the nations, believed on in the world. I miss, seen by angels, right? because i can't memorize and he was taken up in glory do you know the truth sure you do you go okay so i don't know if i'm going to use those words all right how about this one hey you christian yeah totally am you don't have to say totally am because that's bad grammar yeah yes i am a christian okay oh okay so what do christians believe well i'll tell you this Uh, Mankind could never save themselves, so God came down and fixed it. So he came in the person of Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life so he could trade his with ours, died, and he was in a grave, so he was dead, dead. And then he popped back up, and he was like, yeah, I got it. And he killed all of sin, and he gave us forgiveness and grace, and he made us alive. That's it. Oh, okay. There you go. That was your whole gospel. You understand? Oh, he's going to come back again. All right. So my point is it's simple. Please do not get locked up and I don't have all the answers. Please just go. I just know this and let Jesus save people. Not you. Your job is to present and lift him up. His job is to save and call people to himself. Can I have the prayer team? Come on up here as we close. What's our identity as a church? We're the children of God. Collectively, we are the body of Christ being Jesus in this world. We share the love and gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone we come in contact with. And when the the Holy Spirit gives us revelation that's legit, we lock it down and protect it. Amen? All right. Remember, you are in an active God environment. You are not here merely listening to a message. What that means is there's an awful lot of ministry the Holy Spirit's been doing to you the entire time. Right in this message, it's possible that he pings something in your heart. The minute you heard me share the truth of Jesus Christ, you went, yep, I know that guy's legitimate. He's the Savior. And that never occurred to you before. If that happened to you today, I need you to come up for prayer afterwards. Why? Because what just happened is you had an awareness of belief and trust in Jesus Christ. And that's how he saves people. But I'll tell you this. I want you to go get prayer so you can look another human in the eye and go, I'm not crazy, right? And they look at you and go, no, you're not crazy. And they go, okay, good. And you lock it down. You go, I'm a Christian now. I want you to get that prayer Because I don't want to lose it. I don't want distractions and the enemy to come in and start messing with your head. I want you to know and receive the full power of being set free. That's partly why our team is here up in this altar. But you know what else they're here for? Anything else the kingdom wants to do. They're ambassadors. So basically, here's how I want you to picture this team God said, All right. I need the kingdom advanced today. So if you could just stand up there and go ahead and go ahead and handle whatever my children need, that'd be great. Put it on my bill. Does anybody need movement of God? Anybody need a breakthrough of the Lord in their life? Anybody need a touch from Jesus Christ? That's why this altar is open. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a glorious day, a walk through your word where we're reminded that you're bigger and stronger than everything that stands against us that Lord Jesus, you came and you did what we could never do for ourselves. We will lift up your name over and over and over and try to tell everybody what you've done for us. And then Jesus, you go sweep them off their feet and love them into the kingdom. God, we are gonna do our best to be you throughout the world. We are asking Holy Spirit that you would anoint us and you would empower us to do all that the people need. That, God, we would go out constantly looking outward, seeing how we could change their situation and their lives with the blessings we have received. At least, Lord, would you fill us with your grace and love to such an extreme degree that it's easy to spill out over our coworkers, easy to spill out over those on the bus, easy to spill out over those in the store, that, God, we would at all times be you in the world. As we leave now, entering into our ministry atmosphere and influence anoint us in the name of jesus we pray amen have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time